Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another." We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher and teaching, the exhorter and exhortation, the giver and generosity, the leader and diligence, the compassionate and cheerfulness. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, lead pastor here at Orange, and I'm so thankful that we have this opportunity to worship and praise God together today. And you might, for those that are worshiping here in person, you might have noticed uh, Ryan coming back and forth handling the, the cameras. You know what? It reminds me, as we are every week having to continue to live into this time, I'm so thankful for those people that are oftentimes behind the scenes. We don't always get to see the work that they're doing, but all that we're doing is made possible because of that tech team, uh, Ryan and Josh and everything they do to make sure that we're able to continue on in the way that we do. And for volunteers, maybe you have been interested in finding a way that you might be able to plug in and to serve. We would love to have you be a part of that team. But we're so thankful, I'm so thankful each week for all the ways that they serve and the way that they make what we do happen. So thank you, tech team, once again, even when there seem to be tech issues from time to time. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for this time, this day, this opportunity that we have to come and to draw closer to you. Lord, we thank you because it's when we draw together as the body of Christ, whether we're here in person or those that are worshiping online, we feel your your spirit being poured out upon us. We come into this time awaiting, awaiting your touch. A touch that shapes us and forms us a little bit more into the image you've always intended us to be. And so today as we offer this time, Lord, we pray that you might remove from us anything that might distract us. Allow us to be fully focused on you and on what you would have for us to hear today. And so now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. We are all shaped and formed by something. 
A lot of times it's the people that we're around that will help shape us and form us. And, and sometimes we will not even be aware of that transformation that is taking place within us. My wife, her grandmother, lived in Canada. And when Jennifer would go up to Canada and to visit her grandma, it was funny because she'd come back home and she'd begin speaking in a way that she was not used to speaking. All of a sudden she'd be saying expressions like, itch me back. What? itch me back. No, she's wanting me to scratch her back, but she's taking on these expressions, these ways of talking that she got from her grandmother. We are shaped and formed by the people that are around. Sometimes we'll call that peer pressure. Some of us have probably done things maybe a little bit outside of our character because the pressure that other people have put on us. We all probably have some of those stories. As I think about mine, I remember back in high school. High school was such a difficult time, which is one reason I'm so thankful for Pastor Brad and the work that he does with our middle school and high school youth, and then how he continues that relationship as they go off into college. But in that time, they're constantly being shaped and formed and impacted by the people that are around them. And I myself, when I was in high school, after my 10th grade year, we moved from Wilmington to Raleigh. And so I had to develop a whole new set of friends and in that time, it was difficult and challenging going into my junior year, having only two years of high school at Sanderson High School there in Raleigh. I began to, to interact and meet with people from the church, but then I began to interact and meet with people there at the school. And I formed something in that time. It was crazy. It was weird, but it's what I was. I formed something called the Big Guy Club, which was kind of funny being five foot 10 and 130 pounds, but I called everybody Big Guy. What's up, Big Guy? Because I was new to the school. I didn't know anybody's name, and so I, I learned a few guys. So it's like, hey, Big John. Hey, Big Eric. Hey, Big Rob. Everybody was Big something, and so we formed this group, this small, outcast, weird group called the Big Guy Club. In fact, I still have a a keychain in my pocket that has those words etched into it that says Big Guy Club. I won't say what year, but it was several years ago. That Big Guy Club, we would find ourselves our common bond and we would form and shape one another. In fact, it was really, it was in that group that I began to understand who I was and who God was calling me to be for the first time that I really began to understand that. And so we were shaping and forming one another in good and unique ways. We would actually hold Bible study together. This group of six friends, we would get together in high school and have our own Bible study and devotional time. We would get the newspaper and we would try to read through the newspaper and find articles and the way that we were called to live out our faith in response to the world that was taking place around us. It was a beautiful interaction of the way I was being shaped and formed, but sometimes, sometimes we're not always shaped and formed in the right ways. In fact, I remember at graduation, we were all invited to a pool party. And as we were at this pool party, I knew that it was getting ready soon to be time that I was going to have to go back home because... I, Big Adam had a curfew that I had to get back home for. And so I, I wanted to find some kind of cool way to say that it was time to leave. You know, even though we were graduating, even though we were all getting ready to go off into separate ways, there was a bunch of people at this party, and I didn't want to seem like the dork that had to make sure that I was home in time for mom and dad not to put me on, on being grounded. And so I said to my friend Rob, hey, Rob, let's go jump off that bridge. 
You see, in my high school, there, everybody knew about there was this one bridge over Falls Lake that people would go and they would jump off of. In fact, I had gone and I would seen a bunch of friends. But one thing you may or may not know about me is I am terrified of heights. I also knew that my friend Rob was terrified of heights. And so I knew when I said to Rob, hey, Rob, hey, big Rob, let's go jump off that bridge. He would know that was my code for it's time to leave. And it'll sound cool, like we're going to go be adventurous and do something. The thing that I had not anticipated was when I said, hey, Rob, let's go jump off that bridge. Other people heard me, and they thought, oh, that's so cool. Can we come watch? And I was in trouble. Uh, Nah, you don't need to see. We're just going to go jump off the bridge. No big, no big deal. Oh, no, we to come watch. Everybody, Adam and Rob are going to go jump off the bridge. Let's go watch. And I'm looking at Rob and Rob's looking at me. What are we going to do? I said, I guess we got to go to the bridge. And so we got into our car and instead of making my way back home, I began to make my way out to Falls Lake to the bridge that everybody knew that that's where people go to jump off the bridge into the water. And I didn't want to go jump into the water because I was terrified of heights. This bridge seemed to be so high. I mean, it was three miles above the water. It seemed that way. And so we get there and as we're out there to the bridge, I'm trying to make sure that I can lose all the traffic because what began as two or three cars packed with other people behind us, it ended up being like a parade of cars going all the way out to Falls Lake. And as we're driving out there, Rob and I are like, what are we going to do? I don't know. What are we going to do? Maybe a car will come. Maybe the cops will come and we won't have to do it. We were trying to come up with all kinds of things, scenarios, anything to get out of having to do this thing that we had said we were going to do. And now all these people were going to make us do this thing that we really didn't want to do. But we got there. We got out of the car. And everybody started going down by the side of the lake, on the side of the water, to be able to look up and to see Adam and Rob jump off this bridge. And so... Rob was the brave one. I'm standing there, and people are down on the side of the water. They're starting to chant, jump, Adam, jump, jump, Adam, jump, jump, Rob, jump. And Rob's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and he's saying, what are we going to do, man? I don't want to jump, and I'm, I don't want to jump, so Rob's the brave one. And he climbs up onto the rail, and then he begins to fall, not fall, but he gets down so that he's holding on to it. I don't know why, instead of standing up on the rail, he decides to... He just drop from the rail. Then it wouldn't seem as high. But when you're already five miles above the water, it, it's not going to make that much of a difference. And, and I'm standing there on the side of the bridge, and I see headlights coming down the road. And I'm terrified at this point. I realize I've either got to jump or I've got to run. And so I took all the courage that I had within me, and I stepped up onto this concrete rail on the side of this bridge. And Rob's hanging on. He's looking up at me. What are you doing, man? What are you doing, man? I said, I've got to jump. i got to jump. And finally, with that, I took the boldest step that I possibly could take. And I stepped off that bridge. And I prayed to God that that water, eight miles below me, would be safe when I finally hit it. And so, as I stand up, the chants grow louder beside the water. Jump, Adam, jump. Jump, Adam. Jump and Rob's looking at me. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? And I jump, and as I'm falling, I'm screaming, ah! And Rob looks, and as Rob tries to watch me fall, his hand then falls off, which leads Rob to do this beautiful. Do you remember the Lipton plunge? That's kind of what Rob was doing as he's falling these uh, nine miles down to the water. 
and we hit the water, and everything, it's one of those stories that everything ended, out, ended up okay, except I did have some explaining to do because I was a little bit later, and hopefully we're not live streaming at this moment because my father watches every service at 9 o'clock, and so dad may be hearing this story for the first time. I'm sorry, dad. It's better this way that you didn't know it when it was happening. We're shaped and formed by the people around us, and sometimes that leads us to do things that we did not intend to do, things that we never even wanted to do. We're shaped and formed by the influences that we draw ourselves to. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's television, maybe it's movies, maybe it's music. We are shaped and formed. We just have to make choices about what it is that we're going to be shaped and formed by and what kind of behaviors we're going to be living out, living out with that. We have been going through the way that God shapes and forms us in our relationship with him and the way that God calls us to be into this relationship with him as we have looked at the via salutis, what John Wesley would call the way of salvation. And as we've looked at that, we've tried to come to this understanding that we ourselves find our salvation in Christ. And as we did that, we began looking at this way that Wesley understood grace, the ways that we interact with grace. Now, John Wesley had a unique understanding. And for those of you that may be new to this, John Wesley is the founder of what became known as the Methodist movement. He was an Anglican priest who called, wanted to find a revival within the church. And so he and his friends began to work diligently together, being shaped and formed into the image that God had always intended them to be. But as much as they studied, as much as they prayed, as much as they tried to serve, they still found themselves longing for more. And so Wesley, in this pursuit of trying to find this understanding of who he was and who God had called him to be, he developed this understanding of our way of salvation. And he gave an image that really began in the form of a house. As he used this analogy of a house, he said that a house has a porch, and a porch is so inviting. It's, the porch is always there before we even get to the house. The porch was there before we even knew it. And Wesley said that prevenient grace, God's grace that goes before, it was always there. It's always been there, poking, pulling, prodding, nudging, calling you into this relationship. You know, I'm one of those people when go by a house and it's got one of those beautiful white fence or gates, rails around it, and you see rocking chairs, you may see a hammock. I feel called, compelled to go up onto that porch. It's in that sense. And Wesley said that prevenient grace, it's calling us, it's beckoning us in before we even knew it. And that's the love that God has for you. That's this gift of grace. It's not anything you deserve. It's not anything you've earned. It's what God is just giving to you. Before you were even born, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that proves God's love for us. And so, a couple of weeks ago, we began with that understanding of this grace that goes before. This prevenient grace that calls us into something deeper. The porch, shall we say. But as Wesley continued, you can't just go up onto the porch. In this relationship with God, we're called to go deeper. And that is called justifying grace. That justifying grace is 
entering the house, crossing the threshold, going in. It's where we are made right with God. It's in that that we accept the work that God has done. To use the image that Pastor Brad did last week, it's where we redeem the gift card. We have accepted that God has loved us so much that he paid a price for us that we ourselves could never pay on our own. And not only have we accepted it, we've redeemed it. We've begun to utilize it. Accepting the love, the price that has been paid that we ourselves could not pay. It's crossing that threshold going into that relationship with God. Before, we were outside. We were not fully in God's grace, but it's in that justifying grace that we fully receive it, acknowledge it, and accept it, and claim it as our own. It's as we are justified, we have entered into that house. Now, Wesley would say that justification is really just another word for pardon. It is the forgiveness of all our sins and our acceptance fully of God. It is that assurance of forgiveness, knowing that we ourselves have truly been forgiven. Now, this justifying grace, recognizing it, was something that Wesley himself was so longing after. It was one that he was constantly confused about. He was always wondering, how could God forgive a sinner like me? And folks, I think we all might would struggle with that from time to time. I mean, we all know that once we have asked for forgiveness and God has given us that forgiveness, our sins have been washed away. We are white as snow. However, many of us still remember what it's like. And so we may still hold on to that sin. A lot of times I think about is that although we've already been justified, we will still hold on to it. And I think about going back to God. Sometimes I will pray and I'll go back to God and say, God, you remember that time I did something stupid and I jumped off a bridge when I wasn't supposed to? I am so sorry. And all I can picture is God saying, what are you talking about? I forgave that a long time ago. But we're the ones that still hold on to it. John Wesley held on to it himself. He was seeking that assurance of pardon. And so he would try to live out his faith in these unique and powerful ways through scripture, through prayer, through of service and mercy. But it was one evening, it was finally one evening as he was gathered together on a, at a church on Alders, Aldersgate Street. That in that moment, as he heard the speaker reading, reading from a preface to the book of Romans, the passage, the book that we've been utilizing the past three weeks. And in that moment, he said, at about a quarter before nine, while the leader was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ. Christ alone for salvation and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. When we realize, like he, that Christ died for us, that's when we're justified. And the thing is, as we come into that house, God calls us even deeper I mean, you don't go visit a friend and just enter the, north, the, 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 the gate doorway and just stay there in the opening. They want you to come in deeper. And that's where God is calling us. God is constantly calling us deeper. And that 
is where we pick up with this third movement or expression of grace as we've come to understand it. That's where we enter into sanctifying grace. As if prevenient grace is up on, coming up onto the porch and justifying grace is crossing the threshold and entering into the house, sanctifying grace is where we move deeper and deeper into this vast world that God has called us into, moving us deeper and deeper into God's presence, into those places where God can better shape and form us. It's where we go in truly as the clay to be shaped by the potter's hand. The thing is that God's goal for all of humanity, God desires us to be recreated into the image that God always designed, that God always hoped for, that we would be recreated, a new creation, that we would be fully these disciples that God intended us to be. The problem is, instead of always going deeper into the hands of the potter, we find ourselves continually being shaped and transformed instead by the world. God is beckoning us, beckoning us constantly to come deeper, to let God do what God does, to let God reshape us, reform us. And the thing is, just like provenient grace, it's, it's resistible. We can refuse that provenient grace. We may have tried to refuse that provenient grace coming to understand that God loved us. We can refuse to enter into the house recognizing that Jesus died for us to be in this relationship with him. And in that same way, we have been given this free will that we can refuse God's sanctifying grace. See, God's gift to make us into the image he's always intended us to be, into the shape that he has intended us to be. We can refuse it. That's where Wesley had this unique understanding, especially for his time, about free will. And actually, that once we've crossed over and been justified, that we could actually begin to backslide by refusing God's grace to shape us and form us into what he's always intended us to be. God's will is that we would be made not just right with him, but that we would be able to walk upon the earth and see the world as God sees it. That we would see humanity as God sees it. That we would look upon it with love. That we'd look upon it always seeking to restore relationships. That we would look upon it hopefully to bringing about thy kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. The thing is, we're constantly being shaped and formed by something. By somebody. Are we being shaped and formed by the world? Or are we being shaped and formed by God? In Paul's letter to the Romans, as Brad read just a few moments ago, I want to read just a couple of these verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. To this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As Wesley talked about sanctification in this understanding of 
Christian perfection. It's about us trying to be as perfect as we can be in that moment. It's about us being shaped, constantly being shaped and formed. Because while we still have breath, God's not finished with us yet. God is always calling us into this deeper understanding and knowledge and the perfection of the way that we love and demonstrate that love to one another. Wesley declared that Christian perfection does not imply that we are exempt from ignorance, from making mistakes, from infirmities, or from being tempted, but that the aim of perfection, of Christian perfection, is to be holy, set apart. Set apart from the world, not being transformed by the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds through one another and through the body of Christ. This week, it was interesting that on one day of this week, Facebook and Instagram crashed. Many of you probably noticed that. Many of you probably checked your mobile device to see, is it back up? Is it back up yet? I know I found myself looking time and time again, seeing were those two apps back. The interesting thing was, when they weren't coming back just yet, began to think, you know what, maybe this is a good thing. <laughs> maybe in that time I began to realize how much the world takes hold of us. How much we identify what is beautiful because of what we see on social media. How much we identify what is right because of what we encounter through others on that. How much we identify the world because the way that we're being shaped and formed by the world. And it's one of those things that convicted me this week. Maybe it did you. I don't know. But it made me convicted to realize that too many times I'm allowing myself to be shaped and formed by influences that should not be that which is shaping and forming me. God has called me to be a part of the world in the way that we show the world the love of Christ through the way that we live, the way that we love. And not for us to be shaped and formed by that, by the world. And so this week, it was just one of those constant reminders. Something's always shaping and forming us. Are we allowing ourselves to be shaped and formed by God? Or are we allowing ourselves to be shaped and formed by the world? I hope that as we come into this understanding of sanctifying grace, that we'll find ourselves leaning more and more into God into the hands of the potter, so that we might become all that God has intended us to be. Let us pray. Lord God, we recognize that you have intended us to be agents of change within the world. You have intended us to be those who live and demonstrate the love that we have in you. And yet, far too many times, we find ourselves being transformed by other influences. Today, God, as we lean into this understanding of this incredible love that you have for us, a love that is always calling us, poking us, pulling us, prodding us to you, a love that has come before. Lord, may we enter into the realm of that love in a way that we can accept it for ourselves to cross over that threshold where we can accept 
that you have paid a price for us that we ourselves could never have paid. But in that, Lord, help us to, to grow deeper, to move deeper and deeper into this relationship with you. Help us to allow ourselves to be shaped and molded by your holy scriptures as we read and study and learn more about what it is that you have revealed to us. Help us to be shaped and formed through the way that we offer ourselves in our time when we are still and silent and listening for you. Help us to be shaped and formed through the way that we surrender our lives to be a living sacrifice, not following our own wills and desires, but leaning into your will and desire that we would be those who look upon the world through your eyes. Help us to be shaped and formed by one another so that together we might truly be the presence and the body of Christ that the world needs today. So today, Lord, thank you for this way of salvation. And thank you for the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us truly to be shaped more and more into the image you've always intended us to be. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.